Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt. And not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent, and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, 
you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend in As much as I can, to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> In this episode of the Hounds and XP podcast, we're going to kick back and hang out with my friend Charlie Merrifield. Me and Lauren just wanted to have a great fan on the show, and Charlie has been a fan for a long time, and he's reached out to me and talked to me for quite a while. And I thought it'd be fun to just have him on the show. He was on a tailgate talk, and I really enjoyed talking to him, so I said, hey, let's talk about coon hunting. Let's talk about the Pacific Northwest. And so here he is. But right before we get to the episode, guys, I just wanted to take a brief moment to talk about a couple things that make HXP tick. The first thing is our Patreon page. If you don't know, Patreon is a subscription website that allows you to support Hounds and XP at one of the three selected tiers. When you join Hounds and XP at Patreon, we give you guys a sweet tumbler and also uh, puts you in for the prize drawings that we have every month, as well as sweet content that we're posting there all the time, like uh, tailgate talks, which are mini podcasts, essentially, that we talk about whatever we want, sweet articles, behind the scenes stuff, recipe ideas, just things that make you a more complete houndsman and allow you to be a closer member to the Hounds and XP community. Guys, we really enjoy and appreciate all of our patrons for using that page to make Hounds and XP even better. And we want to be able to travel more when the COVID stuff lifts and we want to be able to spend more time with our fans in the field and get cool new content. So stick with it and uh, we appreciate it www.patreon.com search in the top right for Hounds and XP or go to our website at houndsandxp.com and click on the Patreon tab it'll take you right there we really appreciate it and while you're there at houndsandxp.com check out Freedom Hunters they're an organization that helps get our veterans back out in the field or in the field for the first time they're an organization that helps support people that want to just connect with hunting or reconnect with hunting with hounds and many other ways. And Hounds and XP is a partner with them. So check them out, you guys, freedomhunters.org or houndsandxp.com. Click on the tab, uh, Freedom Hunters, and you'll get all the information you need there if you want to host an event or be a part of one. And lastly, guys, I just wanted to give a shout out to all our friends at Hounds and XP. Stickbow Outdoors, their hound log. It's a great way to keep uh, track of your dog's progress, keep track of everything you need in real time. And then it's logged and archived so you can look back on that because we all know our memories aren't perfect, but when you write something down, it lasts forever. And it's already helped me. I- I've really enjoyed writing in mine. I've-, I've always used kind of a poorly designed Microsoft Excel file and now I have a really well thought out book that allows me to take the data that I need. So check them out at Stickbow Outdoors. That's S-T-I-C bowoutdoors.com. Lastly, I just wanted to take a quick moment to talk about Big Frig, the cooler company. Guys, I got the Big Frig 70 quart. That thing is sweet. It's so legit. It's got wheels on it so I can roll it like big wheels so you can get over rough terrain. And it's got bottle openers on each side. Its latches are really well designed. It's sealed. It is really awesome. I put ice in that thing and just set it outside in the 90 degree New Mexico heat to see how long it would hold ice. My crappy old igloo, it just lost its ice within a day or two. 
but my big frig still had ice in it seven days later. That thing is so legit and I love all of its cool features. It's got a cutting board that can slide in in the middle and you can cut right there on the surface. It's got a measuring tape on it and everything. Yeah, it's just super legit. So check them out at bigfrig.com. You won't be disappointed. And lastly, I just wanted to give a shout out to all the great fans. You guys are the best. We love producing content for you. Reach out to us anytime. You guys can find me on Messenger. You can find me at my email, seth.houndsonxp at gmail.com. Reach out to me on the Patreon page, however you want. Reach out to me, Lauren and Chris. We're always around. We'd love to talk to you guys. We'd love to engage with the fans. I met Charlie in this exact way, and I enjoy talking to him so much. I decided, hey, come join me on the show. And it could be anybody. So if you're driving along in your vehicle listening to this show and you're like, man, I really want to talk to these guys, reach out to us. We'd love to engage. So without further ado, guys, let's enjoy the episode. Me, Lauren, and Charlie talking about all kinds of fun stuff, having a great time. Enjoy. Hey, Charlie, welcome to the HXP podcast, bud. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, our pleasure. We were working through some recording stuff earlier, everybody, and uh, we got it figured out. We, we got it figured out. We are 100% now. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. My morning has started off very uh, stressful. I'm dealing with a female in heat right now, and all my males are going insane, and she's like kind of turning into a brooding I don't. I mean, I guess I'll use the literal term, but she is becoming like a brooding bitch right now. <laughs> it's yeah. Uh, my year and a half old just came out of heat, and we have a little male chihuahua in the house. And <laughs> he was all over her. It's like that's just <laughs> like Some it's physically not able to happen, but <laughs> I, I don't know. He tries. <laughs> it's able to happen. My friend had English mastiffs growing up, like when I, when it, where I grew up, and he bred mastiffs. And for a joke, as a joke, he held up his chihuahua to the back of his female English mastiff, and she had four puppies, dude. <laughs> they were oh, man. so weird. She weighed 117 pounds. Her name is Chumis. And, and uh, she had four of those puppies. They looked like pugs, dude. Some of them were like 30 pounds. Others were like 40-ish. But they, they kind of looked like big pugs and they so were so popular <laughs> why that would probably be the best delivery ever <laughs> um, that'd be like <laughs> i don't know just like it's just wrong it's just so wrong that would be like you giving birth to lima beans dude I, right? maybe it was i don't know like a lot of puppies maybe they were like the same size as they would have been before i don't know no, they were super tiny. Super I mean, tiny. and she had had a litter of mastiffs before. So she's like, probably like, this is so much better. <laughs> she's like, what? Oh, here's all the puppies ready to go. I just want to know like how awkward that must have been to like hold your dog up to another dog. Like, I, I don't know if I yeah. can do that. <laughs> that's, that's kind of, why would uh, you want to risk that? <laughs> yeah, or see it. I mean, like, I just, it's not yeah, I'd rather overtly. Just not... I'd just rather let it happen out in the distance. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not know. a problem to see it, I guess. I just to like to like feel it because you're holding on to the mail. That just the, I don't you know. You are the third party in the mix. Yeah, that's a line I just don't want to cross. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, my, uh... we do have a guest. Oh, <laughs> we we have a guest. Let's inter- introduce him, Charlie. Why don't you introduce yourself, brother? Oh yeah, my name's Charlie. I live over in the Pacific Northwest, up in Oregon. Um, you know, I haven't been hound hunting real long. Uh, 
2016, I got my first hound. Um, you know, like they say, you know, it's kind of addicting. One went to <laughs> two and then three and then. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, Charlie, it's we're crazy. pretty similar then. Like I started yeah. around that time. Yeah. So and it, like I said, you started with one and here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I've had quite a few dogs now by, by, by this time. And now I want more. So. Yeah. You never have too many. It seems like. And then you have 60. Right. <laughs> Which like, I've seen many times. All these dudes? That's kind of the question I've always wondered too. You know what I mean? Like when I had one dog, I was able to pour all my resources into that one dog. But now that I have four, I mean, it's just like, do you want to spend a ton? Which is kind of what I'm doing. Or do you like, I, I don't know, like how to cut corners or like, and, and you kind of find out like, is it fluff or is it real? You know what I mean? So anyway, like what, the point I'm trying to make is, yeah. And, and when like, I see yeah. guys like 60 dogs, I'm like, wow. And as Charlie, as you get farther along into the hound hunting, you'll realize that you're going to be poorer and poorer and poorer. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just start looking at, you know, we're switching vets right now and, you know, just the initial exams, you know, almost a hundred dollars a piece for the first visits. I'm like, ouch, just hurting already. Just for I like, want to just find to like go a... into the office or like with shots and stuff too. Um, they want to update them all on all the shots and everything okay. too. Okay, so. well then that's. I mean, not it's not terrible, terrible. but I'm trying to space yeah. it out a little bit. I wish they had vets that were four hound hunters. You know what I mean? Like they understand, like, because this is for pets, and so they don't assume that you're going to be there all the time. But right, and the the my vet now, she's like, wow, like coursing. You guys could keep us in business, and I'm like, I wish that wasn't the case. <laughs> I know yeah. some people in other states that work for, you know, the old school vets. They're still super hound friendly. So I'll call them every once in a while. That's what I need to find. I just, in Southern New Mexico, it's just not as common, I don't think, as it is in other places. But anyway, yeah. uh, Charlie, I was going to ask you. Oh, go ahead, Lauren. Go no, ahead. I was just going to say, just taking Piper to the vet um, last week for her bear bite. Um you know, they're like, yeah, you can bring your bring her back on Wednesday for to get her drains out. And I'm just like, Psh. like, no, nope. I'm, I'm doing that myself. How is she doing, Lauren? Holy smokes. A bear bite. Oh, yeah, it looked pretty raunchy at first. Um, she's doing really, really good, though. I it's really hard to like she is running at full speed and she shouldn't. Um, it's hard to keep her confined and yeah I, I don't put dogs on leashes okay guys like i don't put my dogs <laughs> on the leash like walking out from a tree like i can just call them off or beep them off and i'm not trying to you know harness three dogs and try and walk out of a thick forest so i hate dogs on leashes um so i'm not trying to like walk around the yard like go potty and have her on a leash so um, i'm the same way dude i'm yeah. the exact same way so uh, I mean, she's, doing, she's doing really good, though. I took her drains out, and everything's looking good. It's not swollen. Um, I think she's going to be fine in a week when I take her stitches out. Do you want to tell the story what happened or not? Nah? I think we should talk to Charlie, and we'll we'll get there later if we go there. <laughs> Maybe he's got oh, a crazy true. story to tell. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Charlie hangs out with Nicholas, so they probably do some wild stuff. Crazy. Oh, yeah, we've had we've had some interesting uh interesting days, that's for sure. What that's are you hunting primarily with your hounds? Uh well, they're supposed to be hunting raccoons. Um 
but they seem to like <laughs> to chase a lot of possums and skunks. Oh, no. oh boy. <laughs> you know, problem is, like, my, I kind of feel like I'm starting over with my pack because we just had to put down my oldest dog a little over a month ago. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. And my four-year-old, you know, she was my first hound, and I had no clue what I was doing. She got started super late, you know, made a lot of mistakes. So, I mean, she's just now that I've kind of learned after, you know, some other dogs that, you know, just kind of let them hunt. And now she's starting to come around a little bit. So it's kind of hard right now, you know, because I've got her, and then I've got my year and a half old, and then I've got a four-month-old. Mm. So it's kind of hard to really, on my own, to go out and get on anything, really. Yeah, yeah. Got to have some backup. And yeah, we got we got to hunt with some good dogs. That's, That's the sure. key. That is so key to me. I thought I could just like, I don't know. You know, I had no idea what I was thinking. I thought maybe you could just show your dog enough rabbits and eventually they'd be master coursers. But when I started hunting with my mentors, like really skilled and experienced adults, my dogs, they just made like light years of improvements in like three months. And oh, now yeah. I understand it's it's absolutely essential. There's no other way to 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 really have excellent dogs quickly. Instead of like yeah. you were saying, we all make tons of mistakes. Holy smokes, I did. I'm just lucky that I had met my mentor like three weeks into having my dogs. And he's like, you're being dumb right now. And At I was like, okay. Store, right? That's when you, when you yeah. met him. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like three weeks after I got baby Pronto and Calypso. So yeah. yeah. Like my, was... my year and a half old, I mean, I haven't shown her any in a cage. I haven't done any scent drags, nothing. We've just been hunting her from, you know, the time she was four months old and she's already way further ahead than my four-year-old dog was at that time i mean she's awesome. already you know starting to strike and starting to tree and you know so that's been yeah first. i had great aspirations with ridge like i i forgot how i started piper and how she had maggie as a pup trainer so i was like trying to start ridge and be like he's gonna do it all on his own this is gonna be fantastic and he's you know and i'm like nah I, we i gotta get another dog in the mix here yeah. so he's he just he just turned a year old and um he's treated some by himself but he is having a hard time like with the whole track thing and he's been right. silent on track too which i don't like um so we'll see but i've got to get i want to bring my old dog out of retirement maggie while piper is really not supposed to be running or doing anything um to come out and hunt and show him what's up how old is maggie lauren Mm, six i think she's six. Oh, yeah so so she's, she's still got lots of track left oh yeah in her. like i call her old and retired because that's the life she's living but she could really like keep hunting like hard mm -hmm. sure so, sure but you know mom and dad want her so that's that oh yeah. gotcha okay yeah. i gotcha yeah biggest problem with my oldest is you know i thought oh tunes in a cage that's the way to do it you know, and then learn, you know, you don't want to do that too much because now she's got to be looking at it to start treeing on it, which ah. can be a good thing at times or at not, you know, because we've had a couple of times where we couldn't find it in the tree and she's treeing on it. It's like, well, it's got to be there. Mm -hmm. She sees it. It has to be there. And then look some more and finally find it, you know, so I mean, it's kind of a blessing, but it's a curse at the same time. So you know what, what I learned? What dogs do you have? So my oldest, uh, Topanga, she is a blue tick walker cross. Um, 
the next one would be Nyx. She's a July foxhound. And then I've got Ember. She's my four-month-old uh, purebred blue tick that we just picked up last month. So kind of I, a different pack. Yeah. Yeah, having a July hound in there <clears throat> for running raccoons. That's... Yeah, she's fast, and she's doing it. I mean, she's she's starting to tree, and she's, you know, she'll get in there and fight one. And, I mean, she she's doing good. I'm impressed. Yeah. I just wonder if the other ones will be, like, if she gets tracked down really well, you know, and she's flying on track, if the other ones will be able to keep up with her. Yeah, I don't know. Because she is pretty independent. So, I mean, they, you know, blue ticks aren't known for being real speedy. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> man i uh what's the lack of speed i've never heard of that but <laughs> no i'm just kidding so I, my question is i want to go back to what you were saying earlier lauren about how she doesn't he doesn't really open well on track can you fix that or is that just kind of how they are no i i i wouldn't say like you can fix it but i think it's just an immaturity thing and a, not having confidence um because mm. the whole rest of his line barks on track so it should come just like um like right now he will just ball on tree not move into a chop like a lot of dogs do um so piper would do that when she was a puppy she would just ball on the tree and now she chops she moves over to a chop so it's it's kind of like a just a maturity thing hopefully you know i could be wrong because there are plenty of dogs that are um tight mouth on track is what a lot of people call it um so you know, time will tell, and if he doesn't ever open on track, then, you know, if I've got him in a competition, you just have to strike and tree him one after another. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was also thinking about this. You guys were talking about how she's barking up the tree. Your dog, Charlie, is barking up the tree, and you're like, there's got to be a coon there. There's got to be a coon there. I-, I was in Texas hunting wild hogs with thermal, and we saw a raccoon in the tree with the thermal, and I tried to find it with my flashlight and I legit could not see it. And I right. was like shining up in there at the thermal. I'm like, it's right there. Like, how am I missing it? And then I turned mm-hmm. the lights on and I could not find it. It was like in a big ash tree mm-hmm. and they're hard to see. Like they're really very good hard. at hiding. Yeah. They're, they turn I'm, into the tree trunk itself and they hide their face super well. Yep. And that's why I hate hunting in the summer. <laughs> oh yeah duh because the leaves are down there yeah, a lot easier to see yeah oh man i sound I, I wonder if all the hounds and xp fans are like who is this guy but i promise you i know what i'm talking about with with coursing dogs <laughs> yeah it blew my mind that just how well they hide like i was like he's right there he's like 10 feet above me and i can't see him so yeah, yeah. That, that must be frustrating in the summertime but get a thermal scope get one of those thermal monoculars they're amazing. Like it was, it's the coolest thing. You feel like predator out there. That yeah. movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, I have it's one. Amazing. I have a, a Fleer, um, like the lower end ones, not like the couple thousand dollar ones. Um, and I was using that when I was training Piper in the winter to like look at den trees and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't used it recently at all, but um, yeah, like eight minutes in a in a UKC competition for shine time. Um, you know, you hope that's enough. You cross your fingers and you work really hard to find that coon. Uh, sometimes the time passes and you can't find it. And let's say you're walking out and you look back at the tree line for a second and then you see the eyeballs and it's like, crap. 
Oh no! Yeah, it's happened. It has happened. Yeah, with the. Go ahead, Charlie. You can spend a lot of time looking for one and never find it. Mm Mm-hmm. The first time I ever went coon hunting uh, was with the um, New Mexico Houndsman Association, and the dog treed, and she was going crazy under that tree. And I was like, yes, yes, like I'm going to get to see one. This is my first time seeing a treed raccoon, and we couldn't find it. And then we found out it went in a hole in a tree, like a den. And I was like, dang it. So I was really bummed. I wanted to see one like looking down at me. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. So raccoons are sneaky little buggers for sure. That's all I got. Bobcats are the same way. I mean, they'll, they'll go up there and lay down and you'll, you'll never see them because they won't look at you. I mean, you really can't get one. At least I have never seen one actually look at you. Everyone says they're so tough to put up. Everyone says they're really hard to bay up. So I, I would love to try hunting them, but if it's starting on the hardest thing, maybe I should start on something a little easier first. You might need well, a different kind you, of dog, of... too. Just oh, saying. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it takes a special dog to do that. I mean, I can tell you one of our hunts we went on, um, we started a bobcat track right at midnight, and it was 1045 the next morning before we had that thing caught. Wow. What? It took us almost almost 11 hours to with a bunch of hounds and that thing just ran them all over the countryside that is so hardcore were you guys just consistently like switching out like picking up dogs and dumping your dogs okay yeah we had a cut we had i think there was one one or two dogs that ran the entire thing that stayed out the whole time but that's uh, amazing we even had a, a random hunter his dogs ended up joining up with ours you know, huh. and the, so we just kept running them and finally got it but yeah it was almost 11 hours it was crazy that's that amazing sounds, yeah that sounds awesome because like bear hunting is super fun because the bears run and you know there's still like a you know usually a nice cold trail before that before it mm-hmm. gets jumped and you know your your dogs are working for a while on that bear depending i mean it could be a quick race it could be a long race but uh that sounds fun to, to you know I, I don't know about 11 hours, but. <laughs> yeah, problem was, I mean, there's some, you know, it was a good amount of snow. It was super cold that night. So once the sun came up and started warming up the track, they really started, you know, they really started pushing it. And they gained ground quick. Yeah. I was yeah, wondering if the melting snow, does the slush wash out track or does that heat on the snow really? And then, like you said, it, I guess it really helps. I was wondering that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the few times I've been out you know bobcat hunting in the snow it seems like that temperature warming up really did help really got that scent you know because i'm sure it freezes just like everything else does yeah yeah that's cool man that's amazing I w- i've always really admired scent hounds because the you guys are like a long race 11 hours i'm like for me a long race is five minutes that's like an yeah. insane long race five minutes would be just like we've only had my buddy's been hu- coursing for 40 years and he's only had like four that have gone over five minutes and the dogs succeed. And yeah. so when I see it 11 hours, I'm like, that's also a feat for you guys. Like yeah. following them that long, how many miles was it? Do you know? I don't remember. It was all in one area. So just a lot of zigzagging around. Yeah. And mm. cats the guy I was hunting with. Yeah. That's crazy. Cool. The guy I, mean, I was co- hunting with said that, you know, most of the time, I think he said that his longest at that time was like seven hours. So seven or eight hours, something like that. I don't remember exactly, but. 
And then we're over here saying that, and then Brett Vaughn will trail a mountain lion for like five days. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. I mean, I would love to be able to follow him on mules. I, if I ever get into scent hounds, I have to have a mule to be able to follow the dogs because I want to see it all. That's the thing. And here in the West, we have such incredible view. I mean, you can your average view is like 10 miles. So I want to be able to like follow them and watch them and see the whole track you know what i mean in the forest you guys couldn't do that anyway i was gonna say open wisconsin like you can barely get a person in there sometimes so (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's the same way over here i mean it's so thick over here that a lot of times you can't even hear them wow yeah man those gps callers must have changed i mean they have changed the game completely but what a blessing oh yeah holy smokes those things are sweet so yeah. what's what's the terrain like where you're normally hunting? You know, you say Pacific Northwest, so I get the the thick forest. Um, are we talking about lots of changes in elevation too? Oh yeah, yeah. We hunt. I typically hunt on the coast range. Um, so real, real. I mean, you know, we're considered a rainforest here, so a lot of blackberries, a lot of you know, really thick trees, thick ferns, a lot of elevation changes. I mean, it's it's pretty. It's pretty thick country over here. I just Googled it, and it's like Jurassic Park. Yeah. It <laughs> Kinda, looks, yeah, it looks I mean, different than Wisconsin forests, thicker in a different way. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot, of, a lot more ground cover, I think, yeah. probably. Than... Yeah. It's like so bushy on the ground. That's in... Yeah. My, my, all, my, all my brush is also like that. It's like low, minus all those trees, minus all that humidity, and minus all that green. <laughs> right. <laughs> so totally Add more different. spikes. Totally different. Yeah. <laughs> add, like, add more spikes and more poison and more snakes. <laughs> hard yeah, pass. And having waterproof gear is good because it's always wet in the forest over here. You're always getting, it doesn't matter. So like for me, if I'm going in the woods and we get into a spot and I'm like, oh, this is the worst. Like it's either like thick briar or like slashing type tree, like bushes right. that you can't get through. Like what's the worst out there for you? probably the blackberries yeah depending on where you're at i mean they you know nicholas will tell you if you ever talk to him when we met at a ukc hunt i mean we're walking through stuff that's five feet over your head i mean it's oh my wow, gosh it's crazy. that's horrible that is like some jurassic yeah. park plants so that's what briar, proof, <laughs> briar proof clothing is very helpful yeah do you guys have the blueberry Oh, do you guys have those blueberries, like invasive blueberry patches? Uh, we grow a lot of blueberries around here. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen real many, like, out in the in the wild. I thought they were a problem somewhere over there. There's, like, blueberries that are, like, really spiky. Some kind of invasive berry of some kind that are, like, really have terrible like, thorns on them. But, buckthorn? Yeah. It's not uh, a blueberry. No, I thought it was... Like, something edible? We have salmon berries, which are similar to a blackberry. They're just bigger. So that might be what you're thinking. Oh yeah, blackberries. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. blackberries. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, blackberry. That's it. Yep. Rubus ursin ursinus. There you go. Yeah. Oh, it looks terrible, but delicious. Apparently, the yeah. turkey population's gone way up because of them. Yeah. So good yep. news for our turkey hunters. Do you, Do you hunt other things? I haven't the last year or so. Um, you know, but deer, elk try to get turkey when i can but it's hard because a lot of them are on private land and people around here don't really want to let you hunt on their land yeah welcome to the west (laughs) it's it's crazy 
it's too much money to be made. That's the problem. Yeah. I don't know. I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm kind of enjoying the hounds more than, you know, spending a ton of money to maybe see something. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I gave up big game hunting almost completely when I got into hound hunting. It's just, I don't know. It's like you said, it's super addicting <laughs> it, and it is, it's so fun. I mean, it's just the, yeah. Anyway, I do, I have a deer hunt in December. I'm very excited for it, but I'm 10 times more excited for hound hunting when it rolls around in October. And I guess my luck this year, September, that was pretty sweet. I got to get out there. I, I posted some pictures there, but anyway. And yeah. really around here, depending on what you're running with the dogs, you can run really all year. Yeah, that was my snow. next question. Like, okay, so you, you know, you really got into the hounds and you're hunting all these hounds. And I was just wondering like how much time or how much part, how much out of the year are you able to do it? Well, like I said, I mean, depending on what you're, so raccoon season um you know we have pursuit season and then our kill season uh pursuit season runs from september 1st to march 15th and then the kill season's november 15th to march 15th um so for them i mean you know you got a good good length of time um coyote you can run all year you know the non-game animals so i mean if you want to run possum and rabbit then, <laughs> you know all those kind of things you can um you know, I typically only end up getting out about once a weekend. I just, you know, don't have Life. a lot of time to get out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd love to be able to get out every night, but. Um, Do you have to go far? Yeah, I don't have to go too far, no. We got a couple of farms that we have actually permission to hunt that we can, you know, he's like, come out whenever you want because, you know, blueberry patch and then a hazelnut field. So he wants them, all the coons gone. Yeah, but so you kind of want to save some of them too for training yeah yeah so we don't usually you know if we take one out we'll you know leave a couple in the tree if there's more than one you know let them hopefully he's not listening to this because he wants them all gone so <laughs> eventually they'll all be but, gone <laughs> yeah eventually yeah. eventually so my question is like what can a coon hunter do to maximize coon habitat to maximize coon numbers because i'm obsessed with jackrabbits so prairie jackrabbits in particular so i'm doing everything i can to make sure that habitat is like adequate and beneficial for a prairie jackrabbit increasing low shrub cover but not too much making sure that the forb growth is good nice good grass shoots basically like working to protect areas that are ideal for coursing but like what does a coon like and what can you do to like maximize an area for coons, especially if you're trying to do hunting, like you're trying yeah. to hunt them? I mean, I'm not sure because like raccoons are so adaptable that they can live yeah. like yeah. Really anywhere, but they also need a food source. So, um, you know, it all depends on like f around here, like the the food source that's available. So whether it's like a mass crop season for acorns you know if the corn is in you know what rotation um you know are there berries around i don't know a little river where they're getting yeah. yeah. clams i don't think there's really a whole lot that like we at least that i can do to like help the population besides just good management when you're hunting yeah yeah not shoot everyone you see right I mean, really right you know. that's the awesome thing about your guys's pursuit is that you can do that when i right. catch a hair it's it's over you know what yeah. i mean it's right. not gonna be able to come back right we can choose I mean, we to had... shoot it or not yeah one night we had we probably treed 
15. You know, I mean, we took like four, you know, but just really depends. I mean, just not, just not shoot them all, you know. Or, yeah. you know, have a let bunch the, of spots. And if like one year you, yeah. you do need to take a bunch out, let's say it's for a farmer or whatever, you know, don't hunt it the next year. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I uh if in New Mexico this is illegal, but in Texas it's like standard practice practice. But if I had a lot of land in Texas and I was a coon hunter there, I would have corn feeders out because every single corn feeder I went to, there was like three raccoons underneath it eating oh, while yeah. we were looking for pigs. Oh, for sure. I couldn't it was just so crazy. There's so yeah, many of them. They'll eat anything too. I mean Yeah. I've seen like trail cam pictures of raccoons riding on the backs of feral hogs. And I was like, that's, I'm not even making this oh, up. Oh, it's that Go one Google on it. Facebook where it's like, why is the media not reporting that raccoons are breaking wild hogs to go to war against the possums? <laughs> is that the one you're talking about? Well, I just, I don't know. I didn't see it captured <laughs> anything, but I saw that. And then the next picture I saw was this big old boar hog, like eating a raccoon. And I was like, oh, I guess that one's riding class ended early. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Those wild hogs are so crazy. We came up on one and it was eating something and we were like, I don't know what it's eating. Like I could tell it was eating an animal of some kind. As we came up on it, we we killed it and I approached it. It was eating a dead skunk. Ew. Yeah. I'm like, man, that animal's amazing. Like I know that's a weird response, but I mean, those things are so adaptable and voracious. Eating a rotten skunk. It's just like, oh, and he was just like, no problem. Arf, arf, arf. Just like, mmm, delicious. You know? Yeah. Unfortunately, my dogs like skunks so much, I've kind of gotten used to the smell. Do they like eating them or do they like rolling them? They just like, they don't even necessarily like to kill them. They just like to chase them and bark at them. So Uh, just enough to get sprayed and then come running back to us. I don't know what's better, like skunk or porcupine. I think I'd take skunk. Yeah. knock on wood i have not had an encounter with either one of those in my my vast years right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah we have porcupines I mean, here but i have luckily haven't you know knock on wood have not yeah had i mean i've seen them encounter. i've seen the porcupines and obviously i've like seen skunks but um yeah um maybe my dogs are smart maybe, maybe. maybe they're just <laughs> give it lucky. time i know right give it time <laughs> Just yeah, wait I'm, till the first one. Yeah. I'm yeah. so lucky. I, our, we don't have skunks or porcupines. The one animal that all coursers hate is antelope, pronghorn. Because okay. your dogs will see a pronghorn and they see that white butt going away in the distance. Oh, yeah. and those dogs just see movement, they're gone. You know what I mean? And nothing will ruin your day faster than a pronghorn race because they are not catching those pronghorn. My two accidentally right. took off after a pronghorn and I swear that buck was just toying with them. Like he was staying right ahead of them. Those greyhounds are blasting with everything they've got. And he just stayed right ahead of them until the greyhound started slowing down. And he started slowing down. That Then that pronghorn was just like flaring his butt and just kind of jumping around. And then he left the country. And I was like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Most, <laughs> most coursers hate antelope. And I'm like, that's just a part of it, I guess. But it does suck. But we don't have anything spiky, stinky, or dangerous. Good, Thankfully. Thankfully. Well, that's good. Yeah, and I feel all bad for any of the houndsmen that have to turn out in a place where their dogs can get killed by a wolf or like sp- stabbed by porcupines. That's yeah, that's scary. So I just posted something today on Facebook, um, and it's not crazy news to me because I knew they were around here because I've heard them, um, and I've heard they're around the marsh. Uh, but just down the road from me, you know, 
15 miles or so, maybe, maybe less. Uh, there was a wolf killed on the road, a timber wolf, a male timber wolf. Yeah. And wow. You know, the DNR says this is a outside of known wolf territory and the DNR will deny all the time that there's no wolves around here. Um, but there are, and now I'm like, you know, it's one thing I got to deal with them, you know, up where I'm hunting bear. And now I'm like, okay, you know, now I got to worry about them when I'm raccoon hunting. Cause right. I, I've got permission over by the marsh and all that now too. And it's just, just sucks. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot in Eastern Oregon here. Um, you know, same thing. State says, oh, they're not on the West side of the state. Well, I've got trail camera pictures of them on, you know, this side and I've seen them. They're not nearly as many, but they're here. You know, so it's just a little nerve wracking every time you turn those dogs loose because you just don't know. Yeah. I've always wondered if there's anything you can do to protect your dogs, like put armor on them or I, I don't know. Like I, that's something I've never had to think about or worry about because where I hunt, it's essentially just jackrabbits and antelope. Like there's nothing else there and you can see everything. It's a prairie. Yeah, I mean, so, I wouldn't yeah. want to put any, you know, like hog dogs where they're cut vests and all that. Right. I think my dogs would they would a just get too hot, and you don't know what they're going to get stuck on with those vests and the mm. territory they're in. And um, I mean, I run bells on my dogs up north, uh, big cowbells. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, I mean, there's really nothing you can do besides n- try and know where you're hunting and fresh tracks and stuff like that. And Get into the tree as quick as you can. Yeah. That's another thing. Yeah. You know, they, they talk about in, in wildlife school, a lot, a big way to sample for species that are kind of cryptid or like unknown is to go check roads because things get hit by cars all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. mountain lions, aren't really on the east coast that much but when they leave the black hills of south dakota and they kind of venture out into the eastern side of the united states inevitably they always get hit by a car and i'm like there's you know the data is really hard because mountain lions are really hard to 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 find without dogs but like you know at any given time there's less than 100 mountain lions on the east coast and almost all of them end up dead on some highway somewhere and so that's a great way to like be like what's in the area well if you find a roadkill wolf I mean, it could be a transient male, but either way, it's crazy how much things die underneath a car's tires. And then I say at that, why hasn't Bigfoot been hit by a car yet? And you're in the hot spot for Bigfoot country, Charlie. You're in the Pacific Northwest, dude. Yeah. Is Bigfoot real or not? I don't know. I'd like to think so, you know, just because that'd be kind of cool that there's this animal out there that nobody ever sees, but I don't know. With all the trail cameras and all the people out in the woods and, you know, I, I don't know. Man, you got to get a Bigfoot hound. You got to right. train your dog to, <laughs> right. to trail yeah. some big stinky creature and then well, you'll it, probably end up just treeing a hippie. It is illegal <laughs> in the state of Oregon to shoot a Bigfoot. So are you serious? Put that out there. Yeah. What? I think it's one of those like really old things that, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like how do you put a law on something that, that you, you can't know, prove is there? You don't even know if it exists. Yeah. Wait, is that like so, in your proclamation or something? Is that like a written I rule? I don't remember where I heard that or saw that. I mean, oh my it gosh. could be urban legend thing, you know, but I mean. I got to find that. Or just All right, like after this crazy episode. outdated laws that are in so many different states. Oh, yeah. Like it, it could be just It wouldn't surprise that, yeah. me. Oh, yeah. It really wouldn't surprise me. And we've always talked about that because I, I worked for a salvage crew for years when I was an undergrad in college. 
and like we just spent so much time like out in really remote areas and we always talked about like if you turn the corner and a bigfoot was standing right there and we're armed would you shoot it and i'm like well yeah of course i would like for science you know what i mean like i gotta collect a body (laughs) well i guess i'm going to jail i shoot one in oregon but it's fine i'll take my jail time if imagine you're in prison death roll lauren and you're like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. no, <laughs> that's your prison name. If yeah. if you if you're in prison and someone's like, "What are you in for, dude?" and you're like, "Yeah, I shot Bigfoot," they'd be like, <laughs> "It's no big deal. Like that's cool, man. You're gonna get respect like, at the yeah, table, right? You get sure here. You can have my extra cornbread." Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not crazy. like a murderer. I mean, technically you are, but dude, you shot Bigfoot. Like that's the yeah. coolest thing ever to be in prison for. Like. I- I have to say, like, if I saw it and I was armed, yeah, I'd shoot it. For sure. Definitely. What do you? Would you, Charlie? Even though it's illegal. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Bigfoot. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just to say, I mean, see, I'd want to have him mounted though. I don't know how many taxidermists would want to. Like, where's the? Yeah, you'd have to make your own. Where's the form for for a Bigfoot? I mean. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You'd have to stuff it it with uh, pine needles or something. I, I feel like it would be pretty easy to get him stuff because, you know, like worldwide scientific organizations would be coming. But I think uh, I think we're being pretty rosy. I'm going to say ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure there is no such thing as Bigfoot from a wildlife professional. There is no such thing as Bigfoot. No tracks that people you should hear the like people that deny Bigfoot's existence. They say that like he knows what trail cameras are and he'll oh, like, yeah. walk behind them and things. I'm like, come on, people don't know what trail cameras trail are. Cam sometimes. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. yeah. yeah we catch so like, many people. What? And then you see the red light and you're like, oh shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Even though exactly, you have permission to exactly. be on that land, you're like, well, like <laughs> Yeah. We we have trail cameras all over where I work, like hundreds of them. And even though it's a hundred and seventy thousand acre experimental range, you still are always looking over your shoulder, being like, "Am I on camera right now?" Like, yeah. And that's like, the worst feeling when you see to that go red to the bathroom in the woods. Like, is, oh, that's every the, day. Yeah, is a trail yeah. cam watching you? I've good gotten to the point now where I'm just like, if you're looking at that trail camera and you see some dude squatting on that thumbnail and you click on it, you're messed up. Not me. Like, right. <laughs> you're the freak. Not me. Like, yeah. Let me, let me, uh, awesome. Charlie, are you running coons and bobcats mostly, right? Well, coons, my, my dogs aren't anywhere near bobcat dogs right now, but I do go with people that you what, know, have what? good bobcat dogs. I like to ask this to every guest and you're new. So I, I think it's even more interesting in a way, but what do you like in a good coon dog right now for your country? Man, honestly, I don't know. I'm still so new to it. You know, I haven't really had a say I had a really, really good one. You haven't had um, that perfect you know, we do one a, that you're like comparing everything right. to. I mean, you know, I, I hunt with some guys that have good dogs, you know, I mean, really, I mean, if the dog will, run the track and tree i'm happy i mean i don't mm-hmm. you know i my dogs are our family too you know so i mean even like you know my oldest i mean she's a lot of guys would have sent her on her way a long time ago you know if they had her but you know she'll stick around uh, <laughs> you know we do a lot of you know rigging off the box so i mean a dog that'll actually strike off the box would be great you know, and then, the and then be able, and be able one... to trust what it's rigging on too Right, is exactly. Like, oh, the dog is you it can a trust. deer or is it a raccoon? Yep, exactly. Something that, that's what, you know, my dog we had to put down. She was, 
you know, probably an average dog. I mean, she wouldn't strike off the box, but I know if she was running a track or she was training, it was something that she, I could trust her. It was something that she was supposed to be running. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Trust is is a big thing. Once you can, once you know your dog enough to, to trust what it's doing. And then for me at the same time too, like, it was really funny when I was bear hunting a couple weeks ago. It's like, oh, Piper's coming up. It, it popped up treat, and I'm like, eh, just wait a minute. <laughs> just wait a minute. That GPS <laughs> right. is lying to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what yeah. your dog's doing. Yeah, exactly. Like, with them right now, like, well, I, I will say with my oldest, if she's actually barking on a track, she's either about biting its tail, you know, or it's a super, super hot track. I mean, I can trust her when she does, because she doesn't do it unless you know there is something there and then obviously the puppies i mean they they'll still chase anything i mean mm-hmm. i don't trust them for nothing right now <laughs> no they're, well they're four yeah. months old they're they're babies like that's yeah. when i would just first start even like showing them a raccoon or anything oh yeah you know? she comes out with us now you know i mean i don't expect her to do anything of obviously course. i mean of she's course. four months old i mean yeah. she doesn't know she's just getting her used to being out in the dark and out in the woods and yeah. Like I said, my other one's not quite a year and a half. So, I mean, they're both just puppies. I mean, they don't, they don't know. When, when does a coon dog really hit its prime, you would say? Mm, three, four years old. Yeah. So that's kind of guessing. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's when it starts being like super, super duper good. I mean, Piper was really good last year and she was only a year and a half, two years old. Um, mm-hmm. She was, you know, I really like the way she, she worked last year. Um, we'll see how this year goes, but she's turning three in the beginning of November. Um, so I'm just really excited. That'll be sweet. Yeah. yeah. A good coursing dog starts to reach their prime at around two and they're usually getting age out around five, really? six maybe. Yeah. And then how long yeah, do I think... they, what's their life expectancy? Oh man. I mean, like 10 12? to 14 really okay yeah so they have a like a serious retirement yeah they do that's the big downside and that's why i want to move towards salukis they have a much smaller retirement okay so we had a little bit of a technical difficulty there charlie dropped out there for a second did you uh have roughhousing dogs that knocked over your internet charlie (laughs) yes that is exactly what happened speaking of puppies (laughs) uh, they decided to you know pull the cord out of the wall and then my internet went out so that was always <laughs> yeah we were talking and then all of a sudden i just saw you go gray and i was like oh no <laughs> um no problem mine chewed an extension cord and i was cleaning my room and i pulled the extension cord up and all of a sudden poof, poof, a big fireball slash you know whatever electric nice. yeah. and i was like and i like <laughs> dropped it and i was like oh gosh and I was like, what, what do I do to put out an electrical fire? There was no fire. It had stopped, and I unplugged the thing. And pour like, water okay. on it. <laughs> right? Yeah, pour and, water. Uh, then I you know, threw the cord out, and then later that day, uh, fire started in my cast iron pan. And uh, it was, it was oh, in boy. the kitchen, and I'm like, wait, you're not supposed to pour oil, like water if there's oil? And I'm like, how do I put this out? I just took the pan outside. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. That's the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
to, f- to finish that question, Lauren, uh, Salukis have a slower retirement time because they typically can just hunt a lot longer because they typically get injured a lot less than greyhounds. Okay. And so they, they all live like a, a long time. Hardcore body. Yeah, they're just better yeah. built. Okay. Well, for my desert especially, they're just way better built. Greyhounds are very fragile compared to Salukis. And so that's why I'm switching over to Salukis. I will sacrifice some speed for soundness, like David Heiss said in our last episode. He uh, he's taught me a lot, and that's one thing that I've come to realize that you really don't need blazing speed if you have the the open prairies, which we do. Mm-hmm. If you have enough distance, they can really just grind a hair down, and that's how Salukis hunt. They pace themselves a lot better, and usually when they start to see the animal weakening, they turn it up. But they'll just grind one down for like two and a half minutes. And remember, when they have a two minute mile, you know, a Saluki race can be almost three miles. It's incredible. Imagine running forty miles right. an hour for three miles straight. And aren't they, yeah, they, they can, I don't know what the term is, like corner, they can box in the, the jackrabbit yeah, better than way greyhounds, better. like um, greyhounds tend to like overshoot or something if the correct turns. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're so much better at just staying behind an animal and just pacing it and, instead of just blasting after it with explosive power. So they're just, I, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from just experience of seeing other people's really good Salukis and they're just better. I we mean, only from what I like, is the same. So, so far, he's been impressing yeah. the heck out of me. So he actually has a pretty good nose on him. He trailed a cottontail like a dang hound the other day, and I was pretty impressed. I was trying to get it on film for you guys, but he went over the hill and was out of sight. But it was pretty cool watching him. He ground down that track and took off. I saw the cottontail go over the hill, and then he was running by that area and slammed on the brakes and then put his nose down and just started working a little pattern, and there he goes right behind it. It's pretty cool. Mine cannot figure out the cottontails around here. They're around here and they're they're sniffing back and forth and but they never can work it out. And I always see the rabbit and then I'm like, all right guys, you totally missed it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we just want I wonder if you stinkier stuff. <laughs> right, right. I wonder if you could I mean the the terrain is similar in the west coast, Charlie, that it is in the east. I bet you could do beagles for rabbits there, couldn't you? Oh yeah, there's a lot of guys that run um, beagles over here. Um, actually, my my old dog that we had put down, uh, she was a Stevens Kerr. Okay. Um, so if you're not familiar with them, they kind of look like a little mini black lab. I think. Huh. Um, they're usually you know 30, 35 pounds, um, but she would catch rabbits all the time. Wow. The little cottontails. It was just pretty cool. What am she liked the rabbits? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking, what cool. am I doing wasting my time with all this speed if a beagle can catch one? <laughs> just kidding. Well, Kerr can right. catch Little one. difference there. Yeah, yeah. The beagles don't usually catch. Yeah, good point. Kerr. <laughs> but, Kerr I mean, yeah. yeah. But, you know, you need a beagle around here just because the blackberries usually are so thick. You know, a big hound isn't going isn't gonna to be able to get through them like they can. Man. Yeah, I, I really want to go beagling. It's the other kind of rabbit hunting for me. You know right. what I mean? It's the yeah. exact opposite. Where you hunt with beagles, you cannot hunt with sight hounds and vice versa. No, yeah, no and way. And so I really want to experience that. I need to go. I want HXP Nation, listen up. I want to talk to some beagle hunters and I want to go beagle hunting. Reach out. <laughs> yeah. I want to check here. that out big time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk Well, to come it. on over here. I got no lots of guys that have really good beagles and, you know, we can definitely get you out beagle. The only thing when COVID ends, about... I'm going to start traveling. The only yep. thing I would be worried about is like accidentally shooting a dog. Like how far out does the yeah, rabbit? Yeah, that can yeah. happen. Like how far out does the rabbit go? I mean, it, it can happen. 
You know, I mean, they're usually a pretty good distance ahead of them, but I mean, it, it gets close yeah. sometimes. You got to be really, really? careful. Really? I thought the rabbit would be way ahead of the beagles. No, the cottontails, they don't seem to, from what I've seen, I mean, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a beagle hunter, so um, they don't seem to run that fast. They just make a big loop. Hmm. So they kind of come back to where they started usually from what I've seen. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, it's just so different than the rules I'm used to. And that's why I want to experience it. Literally the exact opposite. Because a hare, it just gets up and just leaves the zip code at extreme speed. Right. And they don't they have predetermined right. little trails they run on. You can actually see their very gentle little trails, like through the prairie, but a good speed dog can get them off those trails and it really puts the advantage in the dog's favor. But yeah, to just think of one as just running a circle is kind of weird because a rabbit a jackrabbit will get up and you look where the rabbit got up on Onyx, that trails are, are buggy when we follow them. And you're like, dude, we just went a mile and a half or like a mile and a, you know, mile and three quarter. And you, it's just crazy. It was like, oh, that was three and a half minutes ago. So it, it's pretty cool. I just want to experience it. And, yeah, and you could like, I think it'd be really fun. Get a rabbit on, you know, the same quarter acre and it would, you know, be around running a loop. Oh yeah. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's my least favorite thing about sighthound hunting is you need massive tracts of land to make it work. I mean, massive. Like you cannot do it if your prairie is less than two miles by two miles. So it sounds like (laughs) it's true. It's true. I definitely do. It could be better, but everything could be better. You know, we, we have a lot of public land, but not a lot of prairie and places that have a lot of prairie don't have a lot of public land. Mm. So it's, I got to drive for it, but at least it's public. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You guys have a lot of public land up there in the Northwest, don't you, Charlie? Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good amount. Um, there's a lot of logging company land. Um, you know, a lot of that, you know, a lot of landlock public land too, that. unfortunately. Uh, um, like what, what's the that point makes of it? Difficult, you know, but... <laughs> I get, you know, wildlife habitat, but yeah, if people can't you know, use it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's done intentionally. It's, you know, one of those things. Yep. I think it is. Oh, it too. definitely is. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people, in t- there was a, the Sabinoso wilderness here in New Mexico was landlocked by ranches and backcountry hunters and anglers and Senator Martin Heinrich were like instrumental in opening that up to the public. And there were sections of yeah. that were like, there was only one section deep of private ranch stopping access to the public land. So it's like one mile deep. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, it's intentionally bought up so that people can, the, the the people that own the areas around it can block people from going inside there. Like it's obvious. It's like yeah. your own private there's, park, basically. There's a spot that is along the river here. That's probably 10 minutes away from me. That's, you know, it's not a huge strip of, you know, state land, but it's enough. I could coon hunt on, but to get to it, you either got to float the river in a boat or cross somebody's driveway. So literally, you know, that 10 foot across their driveway and it's private. So you can't cross it. Like it's just, Man, that's happened to like us. They've crossed their driveway. That there's you know, people that buy like were, strips of land. You know, no, go ahead, Lauren. That you wish there were actual easements written into, you know, whatever agreements. But right, yeah. there, there's like strips of land that are bought up by people along the Rio Grande, and I was hunting deer, and there was an eight foot wide section of private land. So I climbed up on the fence and just jumped over it and onto the public. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? And when I came back, I just walked across it. I was like, if someone's going to battle me out for eight feet of private land before I get over this fence, I'll Was just deal posted? with it. I'll go to prison for, 
shooting no it wasn't posted oh, well, i'll no, go just... to prison for shooting a bigfoot and crossing eight feet of private land you know what i mean <laughs> right yeah you had <laughs> two footsteps in the the yeah. eight feet yeah i mean it was enough for a skinny white boy to jump over it you know what i mean like <laughs> right. but anyway yeah that's always been a battle and like i don't know i don't like i've hunted on private land of course and and now i'm not saying everyone that has private land owners is not is, is trying to box out public hunters. It's a catch 22. Cause like I own a pretty good section of, I, mean, I own five acres and right up to a road and people throw their trash right there as they're going onto the trailhead by my house. And it's so infuriating. Yeah. So I get it. I get why people wouldn't want the public on their land. But what upsets me is when you block the public from being on the public right. land, that's right. when I get mad. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. But so anyway, you've done yeah, UKC was, hunts, right? Ahead, Charlie. I've okay, done so one. Been out to- so I mean, I, yeah. Um, I don't know. Not really yeah. my thing. I was just wondering I mean, if they take I, you on. Yeah, I get people that really enjoy it. Yeah, I was just wondering if they take you on public or private, where you went. Uh okay. Both the one okay. that we do. Um, we have some yeah private land that they'll let us go out on. Um, and we actually do that. That hunt is actually a different club that i belong to um that puts that on and that's actually one of them is they do it for as a benefit hunt for dorn becker's children's hospital oh, oh sweet cool. i think i want to say that one's in like november so a lot of the proceeds from that will go that's really the only one i'll hunt just because i'm not really into the, the titles and the, the cutthroatness yeah. of the competition world yeah i mean i don't i just want my dogs to go out and hunt so but I'll go do that just because, you know, money's going to a good sure. cause. So. That's that's great. Talk about a great image booster for us, too. That's phenomenal. Is there a decent turnout let, let to add... that one? Oh. Not really. I mean, that's what we've really, they've really been struggling to try to keep, you know, little tiny town just in Oregon. Just like any club. I mean, you know, we're all struggling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's hard to get turnout. What club do you belong to, Charlie? Uh, the one I belong to, it's called uh, Fern Ridge Treehound Club. Um, you know, I've been around, actually just found out because I was trying to you know do some research on when the club started. Apparently, been around since the early 70s. Um, so, been around a long time. Um, you know, just kind of your normal club stuff, really. I mean, field trials. Um, you know, we got one coming up in October. Um you know, we've started to get back into doing like youth uh, coon hunts. You know, we'll either just take them out on a normal hunt or we'll do it uh, competition style. Basically, follow like UKC rules. Um, kids can pick somebody's dog. And we'll take them out hunting, mm. give them a little trophy, you know, make them hot dogs and hamburgers. You know, just have a, also excellent. Um, I love that. Right. Just get because you mean. You, know, you don't see a lot of kids out doing it anymore. Definitely so not. It's good. To yeah, try I think it. Wisconsin has been pretty good at keeping the youth involved, and um, we've got a UKC uh, Badger State Youth Hunt, and there's uh, an award that all the kids can um, try and go for every year. That's presented at the Wisconsin Coon Hunters Association banquet, um, and they win like a gun and a cool jacket and some other stuff. So, you know, it's good to do, do that. Yeah. And every year we try to do a, well, since 2016, we started doing, um, 
vet hunt. So take a Purple Heart vets out on a like week long bobcat oh, yeah. hunt. Um, we'd actually partnered with another organization that had done that. Um, the only thing we kind of started getting into was we were limited to Purple Heart vets. Um, and we kind of wanted to open up to, you know, just any, you know, heroes, basically. So your first responders, your, you know, military vets, that kind of thing. So we actually started our own um, organization, our own nonprofit uh, called Houndsmen for Heroes. Um, so last year was our first bobcat hunt with that organization. Um, you know, so now we're trying to you know, just trying to raise, you know, funds to be able to do the hunts because our long-term goal is basically to kind of like some of the bigger, you know, nationwide groups be able to help the smaller clubs, you know, say, you know, a club on the East Coast wants to put on a hunt for their local firefighters or whatever, and they don't have the funds to be able to do it. We want to be able to do that for them, be able to say, you know what, you tell us when and where, we'll get the guys there, we'll pay for it you take them out. That's hunting. awesome. That's kind of our, that's kind of our, you know, the long-term goal um, is to be able to have the funds and the means to be able to do that. You know, cause the few vet hunts I've been out on, those guys are so appreciative of what we've done for them. And, you know, kind of, it's kind of a humbling thing. Like, man, what they've done for us, you know, right. What we can yeah. do. They're yeah, so appreciative. Yeah. It's like, and like, we have a pretty good, um, video that got put together kind of promoting the club and like they said you know it's like if we can cook you a meal and take you out hunting for a few days and that's you know what you're so appreciative of we'll do it all the time anytime we can i mean that's exactly how freedom hunters is too i mean it's just organizations that are helping people get out that wouldn't have that opportunity otherwise i think man i just can't uh can't get behind it enough that's great yeah i mean that 11 hour hunt that i was talking about that was actually a with that other organization that we were part of and that particular vet had never even been out hunting. So his first experience of any kind of hunting was (laughs) a week in the snow and, you know, time to get hardcore sitting in a truck on the, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. You know what? I've had a lot of experiences like that. Uh, not, not with vets, but, but like where I take people out for the first time and something crazy happens and they're like, this is so like intense and crazy. I'm like, I promise it's not like this all the time. Like, yeah, it's not like this all the time, but I mean, yeah, you know, and we want to be able to, you know, get them with local community members that are hunters, you know, if they want to keep going at it, you know, I mean, definitely, definitely so, retention. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, anything we can do to help, I mean, you know, they've all done so much for us. I, I, you know, that's, I really like how you guys are getting the youth involved too. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, really, I mean, you don't get the youth involved, the, the sport's going to no, die. Totally, I mean, totally. My nephew, I take him hunting with me all the time. A, he loves it. And B, he tells his friends about it. And I mean, they're cool. nine, but they're like, they don't even know you can hunt with dogs. They just think they're what sits on your couch and like, you have to clean up its poop in the backyard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got two little neighbor boys that have never been, had never been hunting and I took them uh, coon hunting last year once and we actually got one which was cool so they could see the whole you know and i've actually got a picture of him holding the looks like he's hugging a teddy bear almost <laughs> of him holding the raccoon it's pretty Do funny holding a uh, prime by you because it gets snowy and stuff yeah i mean they do um yeah you can definitely tell one in the summer from when you sure. catch in the winter sure. that's for sure 
Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't oh, even so get that he cold got nice here, and but close the difference. To that raccoon. <laughs> oh yeah, he, that's just funny that he's hugging it just like a little teddy bear. Yeah. <laughs> was, was and then he got fleas and ringworm. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Now he, now he, they're always asking, when are we going hunting again? When are we going hunting? Yeah. Again? I, it's like, well, let me get my let me get my pack in order to where they're actually doing something before we. Yeah. <laughs> it's like here here in New Mexico, everyone's like, "Yeah, hey, I got a bird dog," and you're like, "Okay," and you get super excited and you go hunting with them, and really all it is is their pet that they yell at the entire time. And so now I've learned, like, when someone says they have a bird dog, I'm like, "Uh huh, all right, let's see how that goes." And I've yet. Well, that's why if I. <laughs> If I take anybody with us, I, I don't promise anything. <laughs> That's smart. That's smart. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it could be a lot of walking around or driving around and doing like, nothing. So just be prepared. Lay, lay the expectations <laughs> out right away. Like, okay, this is how it's going to yeah. go. Here's how it might go. But <laughs> I, I've done the exact opposite before and I learned my lesson quick, Charlie. So you're smart. I, I've been like, oh, my dogs are beasts. Like, trust me, we're going to get a rabbit up and they're going to smoke him. You know what I mean? And then we get out there and get outrun or we walk five hours and don't get a rabbit up. And so now I do exactly what you do, Charlie. I'm like, yeah, okay. So if this happens, it's really crazy and fun and exciting, but we could also just be walking for like five hours before a rabbit comes up. So I'm just going to warn you. Right. Or not ever see yeah, anything. It's hunting. And and so I don't oh, know yeah, where the sure. jackrabbits are. I, I just know they're here in this... 10,000 acre field somewhere but we just got to go find them right that's the funny thing when I like tell people about like the UKC competition hunts they think that we're like turning raccoons loose and we know that there's raccoons there that we just like put out and the dogs have to just find them and I'm like no like these are just wild raccoons no they're wild still you don't even know if you're in a spot where there's raccoons at that particular hour-long window or whatever like it's it's completely random. It's it's not mm-hmm. like you're putting pheasants out and you know that you put twenty pheasants out or something. There's a yeah. There's a sight hound competition hunt here in New Mexico that's pretty famous and uh, it's like nation like people from all over the nation come to it. It's called the Dutch Salmon Pack Hunt. Dutch Salmon was like a really influential outdoor writer and he was a really big courser. But anyway, you have an hour to find a hare, and that's the most nerve wracking part of the hunt, in my opinion, because they are really hard to find and it's yeah that's it's so, so nerve-wracking when so you're how just does like the competition work ahead. like you find a hair or you don't yeah so you have one hour to find a hair get okay. it up course it and if your dogs catch it you stay in if your dogs okay. don't you're out and okay. so it's an elimination contest so it is super high okay. stakes i mean jackrabbits are really hard to catch and so you first they're also really really hard to find so like first you got to find one, which is stressful because if you don't find one within an hour, you're out. Can you use so like you really a flush need... dog or right. anything or is it just you nope. and the dog? You got to you, you so it's supposed to mimic how you hunt. And so no one's used a flush dog in the past, but maybe you could find that in the rules, but Dutch Salmon was all about hunting and he was all about like there are coursing competitions that are very structured and they have more of like a UKC style rule book mm-hmm. but Dutch Salmon wasn't a big fan of those kinds of rules he just wanted dogs that work together as a team to get their prey caught he wanted to mimic real hunting as much as possible and so uh maybe you could get that written into the rules but no most people just walk until a rabbit gets up that's how 99% of sight hound hunters hunt you just walk and let your dogs kind of mill around and look for them the, sure. the hounds are looking for them but they're not grinding tracks out like your guys' dogs are. They're just kind of scanning and sniffing and waiting for one to like, bolt. Like maybe and, we'll spook yeah. one. 
Yeah, spook yeah. one. It's all flushing. Yep, yeah. they just flush one up out of the grass and off they go. And so, you know, we've cut it super close. One year it took us like 30 minutes to find one. And it was just nail biting the whole time. Like, come on, rabbit, where are you? You know, talk about, and that's how it is. <laughs> that's oh, uh, yeah. pretty nerve I mean, wracking. Yeah. I mean, 30, 30 minutes 30 minute, doesn't I seem mean, like a long time, but yeah, you still had 30 minutes to go, but when, when you can sometimes find them a lot quicker and sometimes, I mean, we've driven what nine hours to find one before almost oh, nine hours. Cow. Yeah. That's that was the worst. And then, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. Can you imagine? Like, just we were just literally we walked for almost five hours. It was like four ish hours, and then we're like, dude, we're so tired. Let's get in the vehicle and just start putting along. And so then we started putting along for like another four hours until finally we got one up. And guess what? We got outrun. Oh, worst day ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course we get up like a steroids rabbit, and he outruns us so quick. That's why that rabbit's Suck. still around. Yes, exactly. That's what we said. Yeah, like he he is the ultimate that should be keep that should keep breeding. I guess my mentor Natural was like, look carefully right out there. there. Yeah, yeah, he was like, look carefully. You can see him doing push-ups right now. Like, <laughs> right, that one's been run before. Probably. What was even crazier, which I've, he came up like three inches in front of one of our hounds. Like literally, he almost came up. Like the dog's chin was almost past the rabbit. And it was close to his feet when it shot up underneath him and took off and still That's outran crazy. him, which was amazing. It was a pretty badass rabbit. <laughs> but That's anyway, awesome. yeah. Did, I, well, I want to know, either one of you can answer this, but have you ever had a coon race where you're like, what a badass coon? Uh, mm. I mean, you want to think that they're super smart and super tricky and can evade them. Um, I mean, around here, Andrea and I call him the, the Jefferson County super coon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's not one that like super sticks out in my head. Yeah, not me either. I mean, I know we've caught some mean yeah. ones, you know, as far as that, but not necessarily super, super tricky. The big thing they like to do here is hit the rivers and swim the rivers really? or the creeks. So huh. And that can, that can get a little hairy sometimes when, you know, in the winter and, oh yeah you know, the rivers. I mean, I was walking across the river in probably in February, you know, there's still snow on the ground and lost my footing and, you know, fell in the river and f- filled up my hip waders and, you know, it's like 30 oh, degrees no. outside. Oh. So that was always, that was, that was a lot of fun. I was like, well, I'm wet now. Might as well go get there's, the dogs. There's yeah. definitely <laughs> bear races though that I'm like, that's a good bear where you you get outrun and you 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 mm-hmm. are like how did the dogs lose this bear like or how did the bear lose these dogs because yeah seriously based on their like, barking how do they stuff, lose them just some like crazy disgusting territory <laughs> that's crazy yeah. yeah that's cool though bobcats are bobcats are pretty notorious for that i i still think that one we chased for 11 hours it had been run probably a bunch of times and it knew it knew how to trick them up i mean that's what what did it do like i want to know like what do you do to trick up the hounds well you can jump from tree to tree right yeah yep yep uh they'll they'll run up the tree and then jump back down and run back down their own tracks oh crazy Um, yeah seen that a few times uh you know bobcats especially are really smart with that i mean 
you know, they don't get old for no Definitely. reason. That's any animal. That's, I mean, we, 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 we ran a gray faced rabbit once and the moves that he was putting down on those dogs, we were like, what a beast, what a beast. It's pretty cool. You know, I look at it too. It's like, I mean, you know, somebody comes to your house and is chasing you around your house. I mean, you're, you're going to know how to evade them better than they'll know how to True. find you. I yeah. Mean, you're, you're in their territory. I mean, they know what's where to go and what they can <laughs> do. I've always wondered like how a bear loses the dogs if they're hot on his trail, but yeah, I guess I never thought about it. They well, just get to some really rough stuff and the dogs have a trouble following them through it. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about raccoons too, you know, they've got predators out there. There's the coyotes out there. So oh, they, sure, they sure. get practice, not just from our dogs running them. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I was just curious how they evade hounds, especially like a coon and, and here's another thing. If they catch him on the ground, have you ever seen like a coon back the dogs down where like there's just no way they're going to engage yeah. him? He's just too gnarly. Well, and coons will drown a dog in, in water too. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. How? Yeah. They get up They get up on their head. They ball up on their head and then they drown Whoa. them. Yeah. They're like gnarly, gnarly little critters. Um, so whenever I know yeah. my dogs they're, they're are- vicious like in by the river or pond or whatever, I try and get there as fast as I can, you know, just mm-hmm. in case, you know, same as why I get to a tree as fast as I can when I'm in wolf country. It's cause you don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen because anything can happen. Um, so, uh, that's yeah. crazy. How that's does it not crazy. drown the coon? If it drowns the dog, he just keeps his head above while he know. holds onto their head. I mean, I imagine yeah. having just, it's, it's... 20 pounds on your head as a dog yeah that's true know, that weighs 40, that's true. half your pounds. body weight yeah yeah that's pretty crazy i did not know that I, I it's funny i'm a host of this show and i'm learning so much i love it that's why i wanted you on the show lauren <laughs> <laughs> yeah i always tell people when we first take them out especially you know raccoon hunting it's like just gonna warn you if we get one on the ground or we shoot one out and it doesn't come out you know we try to make sure they come out you know stone dead but it's gonna get wild like you need to be ready for they're it. They're gnarly little teddy bears. Yeah, they're 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 not nice. That's for sure. So, and my oldest dog, you know, it's funny. She doesn't tree real well unless she sees it. But if one hits the ground, you know, I can't say. You know, I kind of call her my catch dog, like a hog dog. You know, she'll be the first one in there. Subdue him. You know, wanting to bite it. Yeah, it's it's the funniest thing. Yeah, that's, that's if, crazy. Yeah, I, I gotta go ahead, Lauren. If that happens, like I will typically like Piper. She tries, she bays them up. Um, she's very methodical, which is why I thought she'd be smarter on bear and not get bit. But um, she will pretty much bay it up and she'll be very methodical if she's trying to go in for like a little snap and grab. Um, so if one does come out and it's, you know, still a little bit wild, I can usually call her off of it and I run in there and I get a shot and I kill it fully right away. Um, and, and that's what right. I like because I just... You know, I've got enough vet bills. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but she got, she got bit on the butt by the bear. So it's just that she didn't get away quick enough, but you also, you still want a right. dog that's going to stick on a caught bear. So it wasn't necessarily like a, a bad thing that it happened, you know? So mm. hopefully she learned a lesson. Hopefully he that's, learned a lesson. They yeah, learned a lesson. That's, that's what I was hoping. Um, so <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. That's <laughs> man yeah i i also want to go bear i want to go hunting everything like i said when covid's up i want to travel a lot and i want to go places that i'm totally not used to because like bear hunting here in new mexico i've been all over the new mexico woods 
I want to go somewhere where it's like totally different, mm-hmm. where it's like you're saying, where you have right. to crawl on your hands and knees through the thickets and stuff, which I did a little bit for coon hunting. It's not really fun, but... though. <laughs> <laughs> Some nights, no. not so much. I mean, That's... you feel super accomplished by the end of it, but like when it's happening, you were like super mad and super frustrated. And like, it's like nature is just beating you down. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's been a couple of times you'll be rigging the dogs on the box and they strike and you kind of look at the terrain you're in. It's like, you know, I think we're yep. just going to move on. I really yep. don't want to go in there. Oh, wow. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> like, I'm just not. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You're like, oh, I hope Lauren, they don't you... go over on this side of the road or take it that way. And then yeah. that's where they go. Yeah. 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 The clumps of bushes are like the big problem. A hare knows that if it gets into the heavier brush, it's going to escape from the dogs. And there'll be a clump of brush like two miles away. And you're like, ah, it's fine. It's far away. We'll be okay. As long as the jackrabbit doesn't run that way. As soon as they get up, what do they do? They're going straight for it. And you're like, come on, dogs. Like, get them turned. Get them out of, get them away from that. So it's it's the worst. I, I sort of know what you're talking about, but I'm going to be honest. I don't because I don't live in a place that's like Jurassic Park overgrown. The plants here are right, like, right. water. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so... <laughs> There is a night out hunt with Nicholas that, you know, looking back at now, we shouldn't have turned loose where we did. Um, you know, it's kind of a mistake. Uh, but dogs went running and his dog went across the river after a coon. And, you know, we get over to the river and there's a probably 10, 15 foot waterfall right there. And she's on the other side. So, you know, I go up upstream a little bit to try to get her to come across where it's safe. Well, she doesn't. <laughs> She goes right at the top oh, of the waterfall, no. and all I see is her little head go over the top of the oh. waterfall. Nicholas was down on the other side, and he's like, oh, yeah, she's fine. I'm like, hey, she's she's going over. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she ended up being fine, but it could have, you know, she would have got hung up in there oh. or something. I mean, it could have been, been a real bad situation real fast. I mean, we got lucky. Wow. We got lucky that time. Yeah, Dang. I don't hunt yeah, by one time any we waterfalls. Were... <laughs> Well, I, we didn't really realize yeah. it was there. I mean, the, the stream was running pretty hard, but and then we get over there. I was like, oh, this isn't good. My first question <laughs> is, what is water? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you see a lot of that. You see a lot of that if you come over I was over just here. looking. You guys get between 100 and 150 inches of rain a year. Yep. Yeah. How much we get? Yeah, it rains Gu- Guess how much we get on average a year? Three uh, inches. No idea. Definitely not that much. <laughs> Eight. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Three, three is like, oh yeah, this year we've only gotten 8.4. So it's been a pretty dry, horrible year. Certain areas get more on average, but my particular area only gets eight a year on average. Well, yeah, you look at, you know, you look at our average rainfall and then we're, you know, having one of the worst wildfires ever, you know, recorded now. So it's kind of crazy. Oh yeah. Those wildfires right now are, tell us about them. How are they still right now? Like as of this recording on 9-26-2020, how bad is it? Well. We can actually go outside and breathe now without the smoke. So, I mean, that's like, we've been getting some good rain. Um, the fire that's closest to us, I was just reading this morning. I think they said it was like 52% contained. Yikes. And it's not growing mm-hmm. anymore. So, I mean, they're, I mean, it's I'm, really, but I mean, whole towns. I mean, we've lost whole towns in that area. Oh, you know, man. Just gone. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Hope people are safe. At least I hope people evacuated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they. You know, I haven't heard a real, like, death count or anything, which I kind of try not to because it's really depressing. Sure. Um, 
but a lot of people got evacuated ahead of time. It started far mm-hmm. enough out that. Do, do you know how you many know, acres burned? And, oh heck, I don't know. I could probably look it up real. That quick. northern complex fire in California is insane. It is just like apocalyptic. So, yeah, I mean, so the one that's closest to us, it's the Beachy Creek fire, hundred ninety-two thousand eight hundred thirty-eight. Oh my gosh. That is so much. So it's it's massive. Yeah, it's it's big. At least, and there's a couple smaller ones right next to it where they were starting to kind of merge together. Mm-hmm. So it's really the numbers probably think bigger. Of like, oh, I man. don't know. I just think of the wildlife that's been either displaced yeah. or killed. And the displacement is crazy. Yeah, the the bears that get displaced by those fires, they get really hungry and they're searching for new territories and stuff. There was a big, well, there's always big fires in New Mexico, but there was one several years ago called the Little Bear Fire. And I was working in the adjacent forest next to that forest that burned. We saw so many skinny bears that year. They're just desperate for food. One of them actually jumped in the back of our truck. We didn't even think that was possible because, you know, we were just being naive, but it jumped in the back of our truck and like we started trying getting into our ice chest while we were in the truck playing Uno and like the whole truck like rocked. And, and I was like, something just jumped in the back of our truck and I turned around and shined my headlamp and there's just two sets of eyes looking right at me through the back window. And I was like, that's a bear. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, hey, and I just started like beating on the seats and it just took off, but it didn't leave. It just came back and kind of hovered around our camp because yeah, it smelt our food. Oh yeah, and it looked terrible too. It was Ugh. so skinny. I mean, it was a little bear. It wasn't very big, but still, like, man, I felt so bad for that poor thing. But I mean, that's the thing. The displacement is crazy. It's it's pretty intense. And when it's that, yeah, I haven't got, I haven't gotten to get up there yet to kind of check out the damage. Uh, you know, I heard a story because there's a like a reservoir up there with a dam on it, and I guess the dam operator um, hunkered down in the dam during the fire to keep the. Um, like keep the dam operational and try to make sure, you know, nothing happens to that. I was like, man, that's, that's some dedication. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Kind of like the captain. Like, hide in the concrete box during the captain yeah. of a ship. Exactly. Like, I'm going down with the ship. <laughs> he wasn't going to yeah, go down because he's yeah, in a concrete box, crazy. but still. Yeah. Did he make it? I mean, yeah, I'm sure great. he did. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. so much insulation, yeah. but still like, dang, yeah. that's, that is some hardcore dedication. Yeah. That could have gotten much worse. I mean, if something would have happened with that dam and all those gates come open or something, I mean that. Oh yeah, that'd have been a whole that'd have been a whole new problem. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. I'm I'm glad I live in a place where wildfires really can't happen. It's just too much dirt. Too yeah. so yeah, it's there's too not sandy. Fuel. The bushes are too. Yeah, and well, and it's too everything's too spread out. So like what where I live in the dominant terrain type is called coppice dunes, where like a mesquite grows up and then dirt collects at its base and over time the mesquite gets growing and it keeps collecting more and more sand so you get these like they look like little tiny miniature mountains but everywhere like space between like five to 20 meters apart from each other Hmm. and so what's really cool is um the kind of mesquite we have here uh they can turn their stems into roots so as they're getting buried, their stems become roots and they just keep growing more stems to get ahead of the sand dune collecting or bet their base. It's pretty crazy. That's when cool. you come here, Lauren, I'll show you, I'll take you out to some of those sand dunes that are like 30 feet tall and what? they have one single mesquite. Yeah. Yeah. And if you remove the sand dunes, it's really cool because the dunes are really full of oryx too. So as you're like walking through those dunes, you can just come around the corner and there'll just be an oryx staring at you. And obviously huh. both of you like are startled, but yeah. it's 
right. if you remove they've done experiments where they've removed all that sand from those mesquites and they just look like a giant like mulberry tree or something buried in that sand dune completely fossilized in that sand dune well not fossilized but, but they're like yeah. buried in there buried. it's yeah. really cool huh, and they're super tall some of them not all of them but it's pretty cool stuff but they're like a symptom of a of a unhealthy desert because they form in areas that are really eroded and um where they've lost their fertile topsoil so they're not really a good thing collecting yep yep okay they're a really cool place to camp in though because they're really a pretty desolate habitat and so when you you can just like dig a couch into the sand dunes it's really soft it's like a really fine sand you can just like we just dig these little couches in there and light a campfire and you don't have to worry about like creepy crawlies getting on you or anything really because it's so like open and sandy but anyway i digress it's a neat habitat (laughs) it is kind of a cool habitat as foxes in it and kit foxes can go their entire life without drinking a drop of water and they get most of their fluid from their prey's blood which is super heavy metal if you ask me right (laughs) yeah that's that's yeah you're just like "Ah." like the rabbit not drinking any water I, I disagree because at least you like look at a little rat or a scorpion or something and you're like, it's made of juicy goodness. But like if you just eat grass, it's not as juicy as like a rat's body. Right. In my opinion. Yeah. But like at the same time, a kit fox has to catch those rats. So he's expending a lot more energy to get that fluid and nutrition than a rat is, or a rabbit that just like hops up and nibbles on some grass. But it's yeah, they're incredible. Like a I mean, fox is so much bigger, like for it to not have water, just as well. Don't forget though, a kit fox is only four pounds fully grown. Okay, didn't know that. <laughs> they're little tiny guys. Yeah, they they kind of look like a greyhound fox. They're like really skinny and they have long legs, but they're tiny. They're like the size of a small cat. Okay. And so okay. they're incredibly nutrient, or they're incredibly uh, arid adapted, and they're incredibly efficient at like not dying in the desert they're they're super cool number one enemy is coyotes so no coyotes (laughs) (laughs) anyway i digress i like cool animals as you guys can tell we like we like hearing about it like i haven't even heard of a kit fox so i was i thought it was like a baby fox (laughs) they're we're supposed to have them around here i've never seen one you know i've seen gray and red fox but i've never seen a actual kit yeah fox. they're like an arid environment specialist and they are really sensitive so if, if kits and reds yeah. i mean if reds are moving in they typically start to outcompete the kit foxes because their their main defense is to just live in areas that are horrible that nowhere else no one else can survive in right so the the recent studies show that the reason their populations in steep decline across the west is because coyotes have expanded their ranges massively so Everywhere. as agriculture <laughs> yeah everywhere yes so as coyotes have been able to take advantage of agricultural setups i.e artificial waters they've been able to expand their ranges into places that was typically only the domain of the kit fox because it was so arid and so rugged but when you put a well out there for your cattle the coyotes can just move right in and then a coyote can only go three days without water a kit fox can go its entire life without water but if there's artificial water around, the coyotes spread in there and start eating the kit foxes and their populations kind of plummet, which is a big bummer. Right. But they are cool. And they are still kind of holding on here in southern New Mexico because there still are areas like the White Sands Missile Range that isn't developed at all. And so there's still tons of kit foxes out there on the white dunes. So you have like trail camera pictures of a fox running by on these like super beautiful white dunes. It's pretty cool. Right. That's anyway, cool. Now you talk do you about- red fox hunt? Yeah, I was going to ask about foxes, because uh, gray fox will go up a tree, right? 
Oh yeah, totally. They can climb. Yep. Yep. They have pretty adapted claws for climbing and they actually, I believe they have, um, supinating wrists. So like, uh, the ability for your wrist to turn and face your, your face, basically Mm -hmm. like dogs can't do that. A lot of mammals cannot do that, but I'm pretty sure gray foxes can turn their wrists inward so they can climb trees a lot better than a normal canid can. But I'm not a hundred percent on that. Pretty sure. Anyway. Yeah. I've never hunted a fox. I got a friend of mine that lives down Southern Oregon. Um, that's all he hunts. That's like primarily what they hunt is fox. And they're, you know, he says it's, it's pretty fun. Are they like hard to tree? Are they like a bobcat? I wonder. That's what he said. Yeah. He said they, they'll, you know, they'll run hard. I mean, they're, they're, they're tough to put up too. Cause I guess they don't leave a lot of scent mm. either. So it's a little bit harder for them to. Gray foxes are so cool. I, I They live a lot in cities here. There's, there's the most of them you'll find are like in urban areas what? here. And I just think, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just a bountiful amount of habitat for them in an urban setting, and they're small, so they can live in like your drains. You know what I mean? And so they, and they're right. just a like master of it. The raccoon of, like, kind of like a exactly city raccoon, but they're a fox. Yeah, we we don't have a lot of raccoons here. We do along the river, like along the Rio Grande Valley, and there definitely are coons here, but we have way more gray foxes, and so yeah. tons of people post pictures of like gray foxes chilling out on their walls and messing with their dogs and scurrying around on your roof. And yeah, they're super cool. I'd prefer to have foxes than coons just because foxes can't like open up your garbage cans and stuff like coons can. Yeah. And they are just better control. Like, like other animals like mice and rats that you don't want where, cause they're like a predator and raccoons are more opportunistic eaters. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say they, a, a gray fox isn't gonna go for Doritos in the garbage can like a like a raccoon right. is. <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah, they're gotta, they're neat. I've, I've got to trap some raccoons here pretty soon. Is the irony that you have all those raccoons in the city and you can't do anything about it? Really, I wonder if that bothers yeah, raccoon hunters bo- a lot. It bothered me so much when I was living in yeah. the city, like so much because there was a raccoon family that made my oak tree it's little party station. And I was like, I, okay, legally I can't shoot a gun, you know, but there's plenty of other bad people shooting guns in the city that get away with it. But I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to shoot my gun. So I'm like, okay, well, what if I got a bow and arrow and shot it there? And then I'm like, That's well, what, I was what, gonna if say. Gets, <laughs> what if it gets stuck up in that tree? Like I can't get up there. So there was, nothing, <laughs> there was nothing I could do. You know, I just let my dogs tree them and then we go inside. <laughs> yeah there's been a couple of nights coming home from a hunt and didn't see anything and let the dogs out in the backyard and look up in the tree and there's a couple of eyeballs staring at you it's like seriously <laughs> i could have just stayed home <laughs> they talked yeah. they they had their telephone chained and like we're just gonna oh, yeah. send bobby and tom up the tree and they can just spite the dogs <laughs> they know they got yep, skunked that exactly. night yeah, so what happens if they yep. tree one in your backyard and your neighbors have to listen to that for like five hours while you're out having beers with your friend? You know what I mean? That's I've always wondered that. Yeah. Well, fortunately, my neighbors, um, the mom used to coon hunt when she was a kid, so she's totally cool with the dogs and doesn't care if they're barking in the backyard. But mine live in the house, so I mean, they're only outside, you know, if they're getting rambunctious mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah, bathroom breaks or something like that, so... <laughs> And we try to keep them. It's the squirrels more than anything. 
they really like the squirrels. I would love to squirrel hunt too with dogs. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I want to do a lot of different hunting with dogs. Yeah, like <laughs> you're gonna a, have to a start tree making fice. a list to be like to prioritize what you're gonna check off, or else you're no just seriously be all over the place, Seth. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Like time off is always tough, well, but man, I just want to experience so much stuff. There's so much variety right. out there. Right. What I found so interesting is, you know, how every species you chase is so different from the other ones, you know, different types of dogs, different. I mean, it's just crazy, you know, different type. like a good coyote dog might not make a good bobcat mm-hmm. dog or you mm-hmm. know, like, like we've talked about, Seth, you know, your dog's coming over here trying to chase rabbits or my dog's coming over there. I mean, they wouldn't stand a chance. Yeah. I, mean, I think that also speaks amazingly to the versatility and, and variety of dogs. Like how incredible of selective breeding we have that we have a blue tick hound yeah. and a Saluki and a Chihuahua. You know what I mean? Like it's incredible right. how we've taken a wolf and molded it into this super specific animal to do a very specific job very well. And also right. you can take that same breed and have 10 different training methods from different people and dogs adapt to every yep. one of those. They're, they sure. really are such an amazing animal. Well, even the same litter, like you could take dogs from the same litter and turn one into you know a a good bobcat dog and the other one into a bear dog and you try and switch them over and it just i don't know wouldn't work or they just can't do it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's even i have two litter mates here and although they both run in a very similar way they they're shaped even a little differently my female's got way more of a gray classic greyhound build and her her brother's got more of kind of like a I mean, he's definitely a hair dog, but he's got more of like a coyote dog's build. He's like real big and powerful. And uh, yeah, I just I just think it's amazing how adaptable and versatile yet how specialized dogs are. It's just amazing. You can hunt the same species with a totally different breed of dog that's shaped totally differently. And uh, like when we were talking to Scott Allen, he's talking about how they hunt with those like midget basset hounds, those like petite griffons, you know what I mean? And I'm like, you, they're hunting deer the same way you would drive a deer in the yep. South, the American Southeast, but they're just using a totally different dog because it works better for their terrain. They want a dog that's slower, so you have more time to push it out and from these tiny little patches well, of forest. And how they still have like sight hounds or, or lurchers and the tiny little blocks that they hunt, like yeah. if, in those little fields lined with like hedges or rocks or whatever. Right. And you're like, yeah, I need like, you know, at least two square miles or five square miles. And they're like, yeah, this is, you know, like not even a hectare or whatever. Yeah, it is. It's true. And I mean, it's just because the prey and the, and the difference of terrain. I mean, we need all this space because a jackrabbit is just this super duper running machine. I mean, a deer is fast and agile, but it's not like a hare. They're just so different. And also, you know, they're in, they're running across those paddocks or those agricultural setups where it's a lot more open and the dogs have a, not an advantage, but it's just easier for the dogs to stay sighted. A lot of times the hare will get into big grass and the dogs have to try to figure out where he went and get back on him. Even if he's got like a 500 yard lead on him, they have to get back on him and grind him down. It's an endeavor on all fronts for every dog. And yeah, I just, I think it's amazing. I love it all. (laughs) And I don't have enough time or money to see it all. I don't think maybe time, maybe time. I mean, it's the same thing with, you know, any species of animals from different areas. When you look at the dry ground lion hunters compared to up in the snow, like Montana or up here, I mean, it's a whole different, whole different thing. I want to, 
I mean, I got to spend more time with Brett. I'm going to get with him this winter and hunt with him. I got to ride his mule. When's the last time you rode a horse, Lauren? Um, not too long ago. Uh, I don't know. Maybe within a year. What about you, Charlie? Know. When's the last time you rode a horse? Oh. Years. I Were you really com- enjoy I riding horses. Were you comfortable, Lauren? Like, did you do it a lot or did you oh, just do, you do it occasionally? I do it occasionally, but I'm super comfortable. Like, horses okay, have never yeah. scared me. And I just, like, I'm just super comfortable. And I'm like, well, whatever happens, happens. That's kind of have been my, my mantra my whole life. Yeah, <laughs> but, I used to ride a lot more when I was very young, like in my early, early teens. But I haven't ridden in like 15 years, man. And so I got to get back on with, with Brett, but he's going to put me on his oldest, laziest mule. So I, that's what I want. Yeah, I, that's probably a good I idea. just want a mobile couch that I can just like <laughs> watch the dogs and putt along. <laughs> and just have your bag of yeah. snacks ready. <laughs> and- my my wife worked at a stable for a while and she she always described horses as giant cats. And I really like that. Like, hmm, I think that's pretty that's accurate. True. Easily spooked, kind yeah. of temperamental. Yeah but obviously a little bit more gregarious, but yeah, anyway, do, do you have any pet cats, Charlie? Uh, we do one. We have one outside actually. And, uh, my newest puppy is quite fond of the cat. <laughs> it likes to, you know, go out and bay at her on the ground. And that's kind of had, funny. And the cat's not having it. I think but. cats are cool. Pet cats are cool. I don't have any cats cause I would only own a cat for the uh, fraction of a time it took my greyhounds to catch it. Yeah. but like right i think they're cool I, I had a cat for like 17 years before i got into hound hunting and dude they're cool i just the thing i don't like about them is they're spiteful you know what i mean you, yes, yes they are. <laughs> you feed them and they're just like go away and you're like oh you're supposed to love me i've but, never been yeah. a super huge yeah. fan of cats i mean sure they're cool but it's more like okay i've been allergic to them my whole life so and like there's only like one cool cat for you know 15 other cats i agree that's and, very true yeah but you and i know well, my dogs at piper i know has been inside with a cat and when it's she's inside with one it's really not a big deal but when the cat's outside it's a different story and that cat is dead <laughs> so, yeah i was gonna say bad kitties become outside kitties yeah and then, and then outside kitties <laughs> become dead kitties so well i mean coyotes got to eat too yeah that's how i feel about it we had to uh when i moved in here at the farm there was a bunch of feral cats and they got taken care of pretty quick whether the dog i gotta ask lauren go ahead how's your how's your chicken chicken's doing great um what do we call her staples yes (laughs) staples (laughs) yeah staples the chicken that's good She's doing real good. She's still got like a little bit of a like barely a gimp that you can see when she walks, but everything's good. And she, the flock accepted her back in after a little bit of time. Like they, they hated her at first. So she, she had a hard time between healing and getting pecked at, but. You need to make a chicken like novella, like a chicken soap (laughs) opera, Lauren. I knew what you meant by novella. So. I know you did, but yeah. I had to clarify it for people that don't like know Spanish stuff. But yeah, yeah like a this novella is like a chicken chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> and the first they would start with a wing slap to the face. You'd be like, clack, clack, <laughs> like yeah, or like there's the always high drama. You, like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
no i'm sorry charlie the novellas are just like bad <laughs> spanish soap operas and so like, like basically i don't know what it is and just like the craziest yeah. scenarios <laughs> like ridiculous forced drama anyway you need to make a chicken novella lauren definitely all right <laughs> Well, I'll say you're a better person than I am. We'd have probably had dinner. That's what I said. Don't feel bad. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I know. I was, I can, she's I like, can, took her I, chicken to the vet. Yeah, well, I considered calling. Yeah, I, I heard about it. Yeah, I, I considered calling right away, but I just was like, I just, I just tried. And, you know, she could have gotten away with not even going to the vet. So <laughs> whatever. That was a waste of $45. You're a good person. Well, at least it was only $45. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was expecting it to be a lot more than that. No. Yeah, it was $45 for like her to get seen and get a shot of cal- or calcium or antibiotics. I don't know what he gave her. And then to get the pain meds and the antibiotics. Pain meds for a chicken. Yeah, she That's didn't, the first. She didn't get many doses of that. I decided she's tough, <laughs> she's tough enough. <laughs> You're tough, Staples. You're yeah, tough. Right. Yeah. That would be part of the novella. She would get addicted to pain pills. Oh no! <laughs> oh my gosh! So, yeah, you you'll have to write the script for that. All right, you leave it to me. I'll even make like a jingle and everything. <laughs> Sounds good. Just kidding. I don't have oh, that much yeah. time. <laughs> do you have Do you have chickens, Charlie? No, no. I, I we there's no way we could. I mean, we live in the city for one, and my dogs kill them. I yeah, that's it. my problem. They're, they're, they would not last. There's no way. Well, if you Lauren, keep you got to like I should have done then you'd have no problem <laughs> but when you but have, i love having yard birds i like them out to like hunt scorpions and i stuff. love i love being able to let my chickens out um when the dogs are kenneled up and because then mm-hmm. definitely you know, they got they have fun and then i think maybe you get like better nutrition in the eggs they eat so many ticks. Like when when I was a kid, we had really bad ticks on our dogs, and then we we got chickens and we broke them of bothering them pretty easily. And then uh, the chickens would go around; they'd they'd be under the porch, they'd just cruise around. We never had ticks on our dogs ever again. Once the chickens were out free for about a couple months, they they devour everything. My this is actually my last chicken interjection, I promise. But my friend saw, he, my friend hates centipedes. Dude, like phobically hates them. And he saw his chicken eat a centipede. And from that moment on, he never ate eggs ever again from those chickens. No. Cause he, he, he was like, I will never eat a centipede made egg. And I was like, oh, what? I, I laughed so hard, dude. He's like, I'll never eat, eat an egg that has the DNA of a centipede in it. Like, that's just so disgusting. That's not how it works, though. Like, the, the DNA does not cross over. Right. He totally knows that, but still, he just hates them so much. I just... Does he not realize how many he's probably already... Well, yeah, that's what I said. I was like, dude, what else do they eat? And he's like, I don't care. I saw the centipede. That was enough for me. And I was you know, laughing so hard, dude. All you need he's in your yard, hilarious. I guess, is like a family of possums and some chickens. And then you'll just be bugless and tickless. Because pos- Yeah, they say opossums, possums eat lots of ticks, right? Opossums eat like their body weight in ticks or some crazy amount of ticks like every year. Um, Whoa. And they, they are... Uh, like they don't get uh Lyme disease. Um Yeah, that's what I'd heard. They're really if, resistant to it. But if you've got horses around, you definitely don't want to pass them because they carry some kind of disease that the horses can get. So everything kills horses, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're too expensive. That's another reason I don't want horses. Although I that's why I've always wanted a riding cow. 
because like you could ride the cow they're super mellow and easy to take care of they're also cheap like dude cows they just like live out in the desert and they're fine i mean they're skinny because it's the desert but but, like it's not like you can yeah the cow and be like all right giddy up it's not gonna go fast it's not gonna be dude fun fast enough to follow your trail hounds (laughs) i don't know like (laughs) you you can go ahead and try that first seth and then i'll look into a riding cow instead of a like mule or something (laughs) you need to you need to check out the cattle we have out here in my experimental range they're called a criollo and they're like a wild breed of cattle and they're like a hybrid between a deer the name of a um group of people in latin america exactly when the spaniards came over yep that's okay. where that so the area of Mexico is where these cattle got wild from Spanish explorers and lived out there unattended for like 500 years, 400 years. And so these cattle are truly like wild. They're like dingoes, but cattle. And so they we Does brought them to like this I experimental want to range. Them. Well, they're super fast, though. That's the thing. And they, dude, I watched one that just had a calf the day prior. So she had like huge swinging udders, walk up to a barbed wire fence and just vault right over it. And her little calf just went under it like a dog. And I was like, well, that fence is not working at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but the point I'm trying to make is they're actually super duper athletic, but they're really not as tame. So, so we actually have a cow at my experimental range. that's really tame. We use her for research purposes for kids. And she has like one of those holes that you can reach down into a room and then grab all the food in there and like bring it out. It's called a cannula. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, she, you can ride her. She's super, her name's Penelope and she's my buddy but you can ride her. And so I was like, dude, I want a riding cow, but that's neither here nor there. Cause I'm not going to actually do it. I'll just go ride Penelope and then reach my hand. Right. <laughs> I'll just go reach my hand down into a room and yeah, like, which is how's crazy. Your looking today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when you reach your that's hand in there, stuff. you can feel her room and like moving around. You can feel the like little Celia reach out of her yeah. room and touch yeah. your arm. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. So, We'll well, leave that, I uh, leave all that to the dairy I, farmers and you people in New Mexico. This isn't the Seth's weird hour of life, but the the Seth's weird life talk show. I just yeah. I, there's so many interesting weird things that pop into my weird brain. <laughs> Charlie, you got any last thoughts, buddy? Um, no, it's just it's been good to be on. You know, well, yeah, we're happy to have you, buddy. We're happy what? to have you. We've been talking for some time. Yeah, what's what's your goal for this season coming up? I know you know you've got your puppies, but like, what's what's gonna be like the most awesome thing that happens? I'm just, I mean, probably getting my foxhound to where she'll, you know, just start really treeing and, you know, because I mean she's she's getting to that point that I think it's just gonna be a kind of a switch, you know. I think it's just gonna happen one of these days, and she's gonna do it by the way she's she's been acting. I mean that's kind of my my biggest goal is get her pretty solid um, and then start really working on the little puppy. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll, the, the, either she, she'll get it or she won't. And when she does, it's going to be a a flip of the switch and it's just going to happen for sure. Yeah. I I think she's going to do it. I mean, she'll, she'll start treeing with, you know, the last, one of the last hunts we went out, I actually sent, seth a video of it um she she did that whole race you know with the one other dog i mean she struck on the track she treed you know we shot it out for her and she you know was getting on it so i got good hopes for her there's a good combination happening for sure yeah yeah 
The right things are happening at the yeah. right time. Well, and she's what, a nice. year and a half? Nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Je- almost a year and a half. Not even okay. quite a yeah. year and a half. I think she's perfect timing. Months, but, I mean, and now your season yeah. starts in November, so you can get Coon shed out and then it'll all come mm-hmm. together. So that's what I'm looking forward to is when I yep. can, yep. you know, shoot them out for my pup, Ridge, and really, you know, put everything together. But my my season yeah, she's gotten really good with in less than a month. I'm like, oh, well, good luck with right. that. <laughs> 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 I don't even. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of a weird hound hunter, I guess. Like, if it goes up a tree and they do it, I don't care. I mean, I'm just out there yeah. to have fun. You know, I'm not, totally. If it runs up a tree and they do it, that that's great. I mean, you know, I hunt with guys that'll you know shock their dogs off a of possum or. Whatever. If it goes up a tree, I don't yeah. care. Just track track to tree. Then, that's that's what you're caring about. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I well, I can't say I've ever seen uh, a possum, so <laughs> now watch it'll well, happen like Te- tomorrow night. <laughs> right. Right. In North Texas they told me it's pretty funny to put a mailbox or put a a possum in somebody's mailbox. But that's all. That's the only possum experience I have. We don't have them here. They're gross, though. The first right. time I saw one, I was like, "Ugh, <laughs> nasty." You wouldn't want to open your mailbox and so have that looking cute. at you. Well, all little babies <laughs> yeah, are so that's cute. True. That's true. But yeah, so we'll we'll have a good. We're all pretty pumped for our our seasons coming up. So, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Sure. So, well, I, uh, I, uh, I, I'm, I have all the. All the things I wanted to talk about out. And so Lauren, did you have any final thoughts? Um, no, I, I actually just friended Charlie on Facebook. Uh, what was it yesterday or something like that? So now I can keep up with him. So I'm excited to see what happens. There you go. So Charlie, why don't you plug your groups one more time? Oh yeah. Um, so the club itself is Fern Ridge Treehound Club. And then our nonprofit is uh, Houndsmen for Heroes. You find them both on um, Facebook. Um, and Houndsmen for Heroes, I believe there's a, if not, I have a link, um, like a donation link. Uh, you know, appreciate any help we can get. I mean, we really want to, you know, especially this year, you know, we want to get a get a bobcat out hunt, you know, hunt out for the for our first responders. Or and how vets. long are we talking? It's an expensive Need endeavor. time on that. Uh, we usually, we try to do it opening weekend of Bobcat, uh, kill season. So that's the first December okay. 1st. Um, we don't have a date yet sure. just cause just you know, generally. we're still trying to get the funding together to be able to do it. Yeah. But generally it's, it's that first week, you know, in December. Okay. Well, Sweet. we will, uh, thanks for the, the information and we can share that stuff as well. Yeah. How's an XP stands with local groups? That's, I want that to be known. Like we we stand with our local clubs and our chapters, state well, and it's state important clubs for, and stuff. For even you know, someone who's hunting raccoons just on their own to to join, you know, whether it's like the Wisconsin Coon Hunters Association or whatever it is, because any little bit helps, and it's important to be a part of that oh, community yeah. and and be involved. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Well, good chat I mean, with I love both it. of you today. Definitely. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter if you're if you're up there, you know, looking for Bigfoot, tree and coons, or ten hour bobcat races, or if you're trying not to get your butt bit by a bear, 
or stitching your chickens back together. You follow your hounds and I'll follow mine. Charlie, thanks again for joining us. Lauren, I love having you on. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, I'm uh, glad I could until join. Next yeah, thanks, guys. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.